Coming up on today's show, we're covering the latest financial news and break down a recent survey comparing baby boomer retirement versus Gen X. You don't want to miss this one. Welcome in to your retirement with Sam. Welcome to your retirement. Chuck Caton here. And uh, for Dual Financial Strategies, we have uh, both uh, Andy Schooler and Luke Van Abel in studio this week. And remember, they are very famous for the retirement lifestyle review that they can provide for you out of the Green Bay office or the uh, Appleton office. And uh, remember, their number is 866-203-7486. Well, a big week in the financial world as uh, Federal Reserve Chief uh, Jerome Powell uh, returned to the podium to announce another interest rate hike. And the Fed chair uh, shared his biggest fear when it comes to not handling inflation in the long term. We're going to get some comments from Luke on that and uh, what he hopes to plan to avoid. The worst outcome for everyone, of course, would be not to deal with inflation now, not get it done. Whatever the short-term social costs of getting inflation under control, the longer-term social costs of failing to do so are greater. The historical record is very, very clear on that. If you go through a period where inflation expectations are not anchored, inflation is volatile, it interferes with people's lives and with economic activity, and you know that's the thing we really need to avoid and will avoid. All right. So, Luke, uh, as uh, he seemed to be honest about not wanting to continue to raise hikes uh, like uh, 1981, but, yeah. did, but they do. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. You guys are too young to remember 1981. Unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, I was 29 at the time. And uh, it was, uh, you know, everybody's complaining about five or seven percent mortgage rates. We'll try having a bridge loan of 17.5% when I moved from Madison, Wisconsin to Hartford, Connecticut. So do you think concerns are founded here, uh, Luke, ab about this situation, uh, you know, continuing to, to raise rates and everybody going paranoid about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it is somewhat. I mean, they've already increased rates at the fastest rate they have ever. Ever. Yeah. And, you know, they're con you know, they continued to raise rates this last week. And, you know, you know, is there any end in sight? I mean, he he seems to be thinking about slowing down. He's, but don't you just think it's just hogwash talk? I I'm, do, actually. I mean, I think it's just complete <laughs> political rhetoric. They just spout their crap up there and, oh, we're all taking care of you. BS, like inflation is government created. Right, right. It, it really was, they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you if you start printing as much money as yeah. you want, right? Then, I mean, they could do, they could fix the situation. Yes, yeah, they they're in control. They've manipulated it, and yeah. and they could fix it too. But that would require them stepping down from their their high horses and their positions, right? And greed and ego. Yep. So, well, well you are. So, give me uh, your real opinions on this, guys, about how uh, <laughs> how it would impact uh, people in the short term. I mean, you obviously made these statements, uh, and and I completely agree with you on these things. And then specifically, how can uh, people who are saving for retirement right now look at this in a short-term way and even in a long-term way. Yeah, well, I think it, it, in the short term, there's more uncertainty. And, you know, our audience is people in retirement, near retirement. And so there's already uncertainty in your life when you're going into retirement. You're wondering, hey, where's my paycheck going to come from? I'm stopping working. And then when there's also uncertainty in political arenas, in, you know, inflation and in all these other arenas that will impact their day to day, it's really challenging for retirees because they have, um, you know, so many unknowns surrounding them. Um, and a lot of this is out of their control. Right. Yeah. And so that makes it it makes it harder to 
think about retirement, it makes it harder to manage emotions, manage your emotions. That's a big part of it. I mean, that's a big part of behavioral finance. Yeah. 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 Behavioral finance is an area that we study often. Um, You know, of course, we're looking at the market and all that stuff, too. But, you know, how do people react when the market is off? You know, that what happens then is that people tend to get more emotional. Yep. And that's what we've got to remove. And make knee jerk reactions. Yeah. We've got to remove that from um, our plate as much as we can, as much as humanly possible. Um, But I think, I think it's causing more uncertainty. And I mean, the chatter I hear as I meet with people, as I talk to people in the office, outside of the office, it's, you know, can I retire? Should I retire more than ever? Yeah, well, uh, we've got to look at uh, the topic of uh, potential investments that uh, folks can consider uh, in a challenging economic climate as we have right now. So Fox Business did that by inviting Euro-Pacific's Peter Schiff and uh, Net Alliance's Andy Brenner on the network uh, recently. They were going toe-to-toe on what uh, the best options are for uh, the situation, given the inflation that we've been facing, and there has been inflation, even though some, obviously, the administration are trying to cover that up and say, no, it isn't happening. So uh, let's first hear what Eddie Brenner has to say. I love T-bills at 5.5%. Look, you can't get a better deal than T-bills right now. I just like accruing 5.5% for T-bills. So I'm going to stay safe. I've made some good money in equities this year. I'm going to kind of put that aside, and I'm going to coordinate into T-bills. All right, so Andy, what are your thoughts on uh, his insight when it comes to T-bills? I'll just give him a round of applause. Good for him. Sorry, that was sarcasm. I know. (laughs) I got to figure that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, there are lots of tools today that are providing the 475s to 5.5% besides T-bills. Call me a little bit skeptical. Anything having to do with the government, I have some skepticism about. And so consequently... I, you know, fine. I I think there could be a place for some of your money in something like this, but I know that there's some limitations for how much money you can put in there. Then we have to talk about liquidity. Then we have to talk about when do you need the money. Then we have to talk about all the other uncertainties that go along with this, where I'm, you know, looking at bank CD rates and you can go find bank CD rates that are in a similar arena to what he's talking about. You can find annuities, fixed annuities that are in a similar arena. And so then it's a matter of how long do you want to be guaranteed those specific interest interest rates as to where you put your money and when you're going to need to take your money out and what kind of penalties you're going to have for taking your money out. So these are all sort of a, yes, we have to move with what's going on currently. We can't stay in the the historical sense. And yes, having higher interest rates is a good thing for savers. But Of course, this is creating uncertainty everywhere else. And that's something that I think people are feeling. They feel it when they um, go to the grocery store horribly. They feel it at the gas pumps every single day. And so it doesn't matter for retirees. No, you're not out necessarily buying houses. You're not buying maybe, well, you could be buying cars. A lot of times when we're talking to people, you're coming in saying, these are the things that I'm preparing for before I stop work. We want to make sure that we have got a new roof on the house. We want to make sure that we've you know replaced older cars, if that's something that's important to you, and try and get those paid off before you stop working. Um, how about the mechanics of your home? Do you have a boiler that is aging? Do you have a heat and AC um, furnace that needs to be looked at or replaced? So a lot of these things, when we take into account of where are you in the timeline of retirement, and those are probably the bigger things that are going to affect retirees in retirement because a roof is 
twelve to I don't know thirty thousand dollars probably depending on the side of your house yeah. size of your house. Uh, you know your heat and AC furnace is probably going to be somewhere around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars would be my guess. So these are things that we do have to take into account, and then just your income gap. What what do you have for an income gap if you have one? Are you taking Social Security early? Are you waiting until you get to your full retirement age? So do we need to bridge the gap from when you decide to hang it up at work and get to um, Medicare as well as turning on Social Security? I don't know. So this is all parts of the puzzle that we have to establish. And as far as the politicians are concerned, um, it will pass. It will pass. However, we just don't know when. I mean, let's look at history and that'll tell us from the great depression to the 70s um, we've had some kind of bad politicians in place making crappy decisions and mm-hmm. consequently i just don't feel like they're looking out for us i feel like they're looking out for themselves all right on the other side of the coin uh, luke is euro pacific's peter schiff he shared his thoughts on the missteps as we have uh, outlined here by the fed in combating the financial crisis particularly on uh, potential investments and uh, what the blueprint is to use in the process there's no safety in T-bills. you got to get out of the dollar. That's what's losing purchasing power. You want to own real money, which would be gold, but you want to own dividend-paying stocks that are not in dollars. You want to be in anything that's inflation-sensitive. And so all this stuff that worked during the bubble days, that's not going to work. Okay. You've got to be invested for inflationary-type stocks. So look at the 1970s. That's your blueprint for what's going to work. See the investments that worked in the 70s and get into those. All right, so Luke, what are your thoughts on uh, responding uh, Mr. Brenner's comments by Mr. Chef. Well, generally, I like I like the owning real things. I like the you know positioning your investment towards um, assets that are going to do better in a rising interest rate environment. But we still have to be careful because um, you know during this time we hear a lot of gold bug talk. A lot of oh you know, god, it's everywhere. Yeah, you know, gold is the best thing in the world, and it will be. You have some horror stories of clients that tried to unravel themselves. From I gold. do have some horror horror stories. Some clients in the past that had gold IRAs that it was an absolute nightmare to get out of. Um, their brother-in-law or something had sold them to them. And, you know, when we look at commodities as a whole, I mean, it's an asset class. It could be appropriate for a time, but taking a hundred percent of your wealth, a hundred percent of your retirement accounts and putting it into one asset class may not be the best idea. So we still, we can't, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can't just throw all caution to the wind and say, Hey, we're not going to diversify anymore. We're not going to hedge our bets. Um, And gold has been, over a long period of time, has been a terrible investment. Um, For short periods of time, for transitory time, maybe so. But just taking all of your money and putting it into a a gold IRA where you really don't have any other options um, without, you know, some very long transaction times and, and by um, long transaction times what do you mean months i mean yeah. it took months to get out of yeah. that transaction so um real assets i do see value in that more today but we just have to be careful that we're not putting all of our eggs in that basket all right so the moral of the story in this segment is if you're planning to retire in the next uh, little while you've heard the expertise of andy schooler and uh, luke van abel so there's a lot of different options there And uh, that's why you should visit with Dual Financial Strategies uh, on your 
uh, retirement lifestyle review for you, and they will suggest these different options for you at 866-203-7486. They'll give you that no-cost, no-obligation sit-down to discuss your retirement anywhere in the Fox Valley. They have an office in Green Bay. They have an office in Appleton as well. So once again, make that phone call, and don't procrastinate. It's 866-203-7486 for that retirement lifestyle review. They've had over a score of years of experience uh, in the retirement field in uh, financial advice for you as fiduciaries. So once again, give them a call at 866-203-7486. Well, that was a very spirited segment. What's coming up next? In the light of another interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve, folks are concerned about how inflation may impact their retirement dollars. Coming up after the break, we'll cover the true impact inflation can have on your nest egg and offer six strategies to save your retirement from scourge of inflation. And we are back here on Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton sitting in uh, with Andy Schooler and Luke Van Abel of Dual Financial Strategies. And remember that phone number again is 866-203-7486. Sam Duell is on assignment this week. Uh, maybe he's seeking out the Fed Chairman Powell and uh, giving him a piece of his mind. I don't know, but uh, the federal... He probably would. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's uh, it's not that bad a trip from uh, northeast Wisconsin to uh, Washington, D.C., right? About an hour and a half, hour, 45-minute flight, so maybe he's there. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Federal Reserve uh, raised those interest rates again by a quarter point, lifting interest rates to their highest levels as we uh, explored in the first section, the highest levels in 22 years. So this decision... Uh, to do so has impacted the economic activity uh, in the short and long term. And uh, today we're diving into these particulars so that uh, you and your retirement plan can remain intact to and through retirement. So, Luke, let's, uh, you know, we're going to get down to the basic definitions here of what inflation actually is. Yeah, so inflation, we're all sort of feeling it and living it and have been, but inflation just measures the increase in the cost of goods and services over time. So obviously when we're going to the store, when we're going to the gas pump, those increases in costs that we've seen over the last year and a half, that's inflation. That's what's hitting our pocketbook every single month. Do we expect to see any kind of deflation, just as an aside, uh, anytime soon? I mean, will there, you know, the old Newton theory, what goes up must come down? I don't know. We could. <laughs> but the crystal ball isn't functioning. <laughs> I mean, as, as fast as it's come up, I mean, I think there's a chance that it could it could slide back the other way. All right. So, uh, Andy, is inflation to be expected in a uh, generally healthy economy? Is this something that is uh, uh, kind of ingrained in our economic system? Well, I mean, I think it's come and gone at different times, obviously. And and to be very frank, I really believe that it has had more to do with political trends and cycles. What's the administration? What are their objectives? What are they trying to accomplish? And therefore, we've seen historical high inflation rates that have lasted for, well, I mean, 70s into the 80s. And I mean, I remember my parents having double digit mortgage rates, which was fantastic, right? You could go find a bank CD paying single digits, high single digits, nine, 10 percent. But then your mortgage rates were 12 to 18 percent. So it all depends on what time 
in your life are you sort of at as to how much it's going to impact or affect you. But from a, you know, from a, a overarching picture, I guess I would say um, inflation does impact people. It how can it not when you're paying so much for your groceries? I was just actually watching a video and it was a, a Canadian woman who was a single mom and she was um, talking to, actually to a, what do they call that? Like a town hall where Trudeau mm, was there. Sure. And she was in tears because she'd had multiple health impacts as a single mom, raising four kids by herself on $50,000. She put herself back through school and she was like, my hydro bill is $1,000. I'm one person. She's mm. working 75 hours a week. And she's like, what are you going to do about this? And he gave some BS political response and you just go, he doesn't care. And I really feel like politicians right now don't care. They have their agenda. They're going to cram it down our throats. Inflation is part of that right now. Making goods and services just expensive for everybody. Um, this is man-made. They are printing money. And and whether that's the right or the wrong, I don't know. But from a standpoint of how that impacts people negatively, yeah, I think it impacts everyone. And I think it makes everything really harder because the politicians have given themselves a 20-something percent raise, and yet we don't get that. Mm -hmm. They keep printing money. Well, we can't print money. I mean, like, everything that's going on, in my personal opinion, in politics right now is just a slam in the face of the American public. I don't feel like they're doing anything for us, and this is just one of those things that adds to it. Yeah, it really is a, a tough situation right now. So, Luke, the inflationary uh, risk poses a, a tremendous risk to uh, Americans. Uh, not only uh, people in Canada face it, and you just got to remember that their dollar is 30%, 33% less uh, valuable than ours. But how does inflation pose a, a bigger risk for the average American? Yeah, well, I mean, if inflation is eroding our purchasing power, we talked about inflation is, is just the increase in the cost of goods. But that means we've got, if we've got the same amount of income, we can't stretch that as far. And many uh, retirees are, if they're already retired or will be, on that fixed income when they are retired. And so if goods and services are increasing at 5-8%, well, now we've got to be concerned about are we going to have enough paycheck to pay for those things. It is important to note that you know, some of our retirement tools will have inflationary hedges built into them. So things like Social Security, at least currently, the way that it's structured, you know, there are some cost of living adjustments with that. So you see your payment go up with inflation. But many other sources of income, if you're pulling from a retirement account, if you're pulling from a traditional pension, that's going to be a set payment you know, for the rest of your life. So we see that erosion of your purchasing power ha impacting the day-to-day, -day, the month-to-month, -month, you know, budgeting and how we plan for retirement. So I guess uh, Luke was uh, touching, Andy, on w my next question was uh, how does uh, inflation impact folks saving for retirement specifically? And I think uh, he just touched on the fact that uh, uh, you need to have kind of a, an inflationary component uh, when you're withdrawing money from your retirement portfolio. Yeah, you do. And I'm going to jump in and grab this one, Chuck. Okay. Um, but inflation can impact folks saving for retirement when nest eggs you've amassed is exposed to the limitations of your retirement dollars for an extended period of time. So essentially, your hard-earned dollars that you've been saving over the years cannot stretch as far as they once did. So it's really important that the tools that are used, the allocation that are used inside of your portfolios is also meant to hopefully keep up with inflation because we can get too conservative 
during these times too, where all of a sudden, you know, inflation is increasing at a much faster rate than say cash or, you know, some fixed sources of income. And we can, we can go broke safely as well. Yeah. And so diversifying investments is key. It is. Um, We want to own many different things, many different buckets. You know, you don't have to own, when we talk about diversification, I don't know what comes to mind for you, but I think many people think, well, gosh, I've got to own 30 or 40 or 50 different things. That's not the case. I mean, we can own 10, 15, 20 different things and be broadly diversified. Um, So rather than, you know, solely relying on maybe a savings account, you know, consider recalibrating your investments. Um, Consider taking advantage of other options to grow your money for retirement and take advantage of different asset classes. You know, we've got equities, we've got things like stocks, we've got fixed income and bonds that are very sensitive to interest rates. So we've got to be careful with that. There's cash, there's cash equivalents, um, there's real estate. And then as we've talked about in earlier segments, um, you know, real estate, that's a real asset, commodities, things like gold, silver, um, that is a real asset as well. So depending on the way that you structure your investments, you stand to potentially outperform inflation and produce better returns, all of which will help protect the value of your overall retirement savings. Yeah, so uh, mitigating the uh, inflationary struggles and uh, numbers is uh, a clear case of budgeting wisely. It is. I mean, it's critical to budget, and I feel like I always harp on budgets, but from a standpoint of you need to know what you're spending as a pre-retiree and as a post-retiree. So being really realistic about your costs, um, cushioning it to make it seem probably a little bit more expensive so you always have that cushion, um, I think is helpful for people just so that they can feel pretty confident. This is a very different time when you go into retirement. Now you are not trading time for a paycheck. Now you are turning on your bucket of money and we have to figure out how to do that in the most practical, efficient manner that we can, taking into account what's going on in the current um, political and financial environments. Absolutely true. And also, uh, Luke, uh, making some revisions in your retirement plan when necessary. So that means developing a tax plan, and also seeking out the wisdom of a professional. And that's what you do so well at Dual Financial Strategies. It is. I mean, this makes all the difference in the world to work with somebody who sits in this world, has sat in this world. Our firm's been around for over 20 years. Um, our focus is on people in or near retirement. Um, and so the tools, the resources, the the level of planning that we have um, all is geared towards that stage in life. So if you are nearing that, if you've got questions about how you'll be impacted, how maybe inflation will impact your retirement and, and better yet, I mean, Chuck, you mentioned taxes. This is one area that most people are not planning for. We, we often think in terms of taxes in one year increments because that's when we have to file them. But when it comes time to retire and we're looking at you know, the assets you've saved and what you need and how much income and all these different things, we've got to, we've got to have a proper strategy for taxes to reduce your lifetime tax bill down. Um, Because there's things that you can do today and over the next couple years, but it requires some, some forethought and some planning to make that happen. So if you're looking for you know, just someone that you can sit down to sound down with to to have a discussion that's going to take a holistic look at your financial picture. 
uh, give us a call. We'd be happy to help. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Um, and we, we open up times on our calendars for you. But in order, to, in order to take advantage of those, you have to reach out to have that initial conversation. And that conversation can be easily had by calling 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. That's the way you reach uh, Sam, Andy, or Luke at Dual Financial Strategies. And uh, they will give you that complimentary retirement lifestyle review. They'll sit down with you, uh, ask you some questions about what you want to do in retirement, how you want to uh, retire successfully, what you're going to need in terms of the tools uh, to maximize your portfolio. So it's 866-203-7486. Please don't uh, uh, delay in giving them a call because they're on your side as fiduciaries, either in the Green Bay office or the Appleton office. So once again, 866-203-7486 is the way you get a hold of Sam, Andy, or Luke at Dual Financial Strategies because they are there for you. You come first on the retirement uh, carousel, so to speak, as you're getting ready for retirement in these very challenging economic times. Well, we've got to take a break. What's coming up in the next segment? Over the next several years, millions of folks will be retiring, from pre-retirees to retirees and everywhere in between. Folks are worried about falling short in retirement. Coming up next, we're discussing all things retirement confidence. Stay tuned. Welcome once again, and welcome back to uh, Your Retirement. It's all about your retirement for Dual Financial Strategies. I'm Chuck Caton, sitting in uh, studio with uh, Luke Van Abel, Andy Schooler. And uh, again, between now and 2030, roughly 10,000 baby boomers each day are going to be hitting retirement age, uh, meaning that millions of folks will be retiring in the next six and a half years or so. So uh, today we're exploring the results from the Trans-America Center for Retirement Studies, the 23rd annual survey uh, done by the Trans-America Center for Retirement Studies to highlight uh, the retirement risks that face two different generations as they prepare for retirement. We're going to start with uh, Generation X and then uh, talk about those baby boomers, those who were born between 1946 and 1964. But first of all, Luke, Generation X is defined by those born between 1965 and 1980. The oldest members of Generation X are now in their late 50s, and uh, the youngest are in their early 40s. And uh, many seek uh, to extend their working lives to save more and retire later. Uh, if they are savings, uh, they should be mature enough. So uh, I think you and I are going to dive into the statistics associated with Generation X and their overall confidence about retirement. Now, what about that um, uh, issue of, uh, well, it's not going to be maybe Social Security, but it's going to be something else that's going to have to think about. But what are they thinking about or are they thinking about retirement this early? Yeah, I'm, I think it's definitely on their mind, um, but only 17 percent of these Gen Xers are very confident that they're going to be able to fully retire with a comfortable lifestyle. So, you know, from the things that they're seeing, from the things we've talked about on this show, you know, they're concerned. I mean, if they're in their early 40s to late 50s, I mean, some of them have, you know, a few years, some of them have 15 years before they're going to retire. But it looks like the vast majority of them um, 
are concerned about whether they're going to have enough. Uh, the other interesting thing for Gen Xers is that eight in 10 of them, so 80%, are concerned about Social Security and that it really won't be there for them. Um, so as of right now, there's no there's no bills or anything stating that there's going to be dramatic changes to Social Security. However, given the way that the the program has been run, given the way that, <laughs> you know, the, the long- Or stolen from. Or stolen from, yeah. Um, and given how much longer we're living, right? I mean, when Social Security first started- And there's so many less people putting money into it. It is. Yeah, it was like six or seven to one, I think, yep. when Social Security first started. And yep. now it's something like- two and a half to one well and people just didn't live as long i mean they lived literally for three or four years is what the average lifespan was after you started social security at 65 when it used to be like that's when you could turn it on Mm -hmm. and now people are starting it much earlier which means they get a decreased amount of social security and then top it off with their living longer and now we have a different challenge that we yes, have to handle. Yeah. A different set of challenges. All right, so tell me this. Do you th- really think that that should be a concern? Are we talk- I mean, we, you talk about uh, the alleged uh, Social Security uh, spigot running out by 2034, but you have to think that Congress is going to uh, uh, do something to save Social Security. But for Gen Xers, uh, is that going to apply to them, you think? Uh, or will it run out and uh, they can't expect the kind of uh, return uh, from paying their Social Security taxes that, uh, say, we baby boomers uh, have uh, enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's there. Could they make dra- drastic changes to Social Security? Absolutely. Realistically, even for Gen Xers, I don't know that it's going to happen. I mean, we don't have stats for this show, but the number of people that just don't have any savings for retirement is alarming. So they're counting on that money. And I think we have a whole nother set of challenges in this country. If all of a sudden we say, well, half of the benefit that you've contributed over your 40 year working career is going to, you know, we're just going to cut it in half. Um, I do see that, you know, they're increasing the wage limit. You know, how much of your income you actually pay Social Security tax on. So many, many workers, Aaron Rodgers, for example, or somebody who makes a million dollars a year, they don't pay Social Security tax on all of their money because Social Security is limited. The amount of benefit is limited. So I see that threshold continuing. Um, I see other changes like the benefit formula, how it's calculated, possibly changing. Um, And maybe maybe they do away with a cost of living adjustment or, I don't know, an 8% delayed retirement credit, which means that every year you wait to take Social Security, your payment essentially goes up at 8%. I see those changes coming first before... They could do means testing also. Sure. Where They've talked know, about that for they've years. They've talked about that for years, where if you make XYZ amount of money in retirement, then you don't necessarily qualify for Social Security. Yeah, yeah and that would... Oh man! Well, that would we'd see some backlash from that, <laughs> one. right? I mean, I I think I don't I think, want to make that decision. No, I don't think there's any politicians that really actually have the stomach and the fortitude and the backbone to get it done. No. Okay, so I got one more question for Luke here. It says here, fifty-four percent of Gen Xers plan to work in retirement. I don't know how that compares with baby boomers. We'll talk about that with Andy in a second. But uh, how about that one? Does it surprise you that over half the Generation X workers intend to work uh, during retirement? It doesn't surprise me because that. You know, for somebody who's that far away from retirement, I think they're just thinking, well, maybe if I'm, I'm feeling behind, I'll just continue to work. Um, what ends up happening in reality often is different than what people's expectation is ahead of time. Um, when we sit down with people, the closer they get to retirement and then they start living out that retirement, 
um, not all, but most tend to think, hey, this is a pretty good gig and don't end up going back to work. Um, of course, there's exceptions to that rule. But no, Chuck, that doesn't surprise me that just over half. I'm actually surprised it's not a little bit higher than that. Yeah. I, I think it's actually interesting in talking to some of our kids, like clients' kids mm-hmm. that will come in. Um, they think that they want to stop working at like their mid-50s. And sure. I think that's really fascinating that these younger generations are concerned about what they're seeing with their parents but also want to be able to have the flexibility to stop working in their 50s i'm like do you know what your life expectancy is i mean the insurance companies have started our illustrations now going up to age 120 for the younger generations so if you consider that like they know what's going on the insurance companies are actuarial genius so they know what's going on and it's like these younger people have got to do an incredible job saving or they got to make a mega millionaire selling some i don't know technology something Mm -hmm. um to i think get going because it's like if you think that you're going to retire when you're 55 without any sort of pension and guaranteed income that's going to go up I think you got nothing coming. I think they want to live off of uh, the baby boomers' uh, inheritances that they're going to get. <laughs> Just a guess. Well, but the, and I mean, the crazy part about that, Chuck, is they've got to have that money cleaned out in 10 years. That's right. I mean, they, they got to pay taxes on it right now when they pull it out, or they got to pay it over a 10-year period of time, but that money has to be cleaned out in 10 years there so you that go. the feds can get their taxes. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about those baby boomers now born between 46 and 64. They're in their 50s to 70s now. They're especially vulnerable to uh, employment risk, volatility in the financial market now, of course, increasing inflation, which he touched on earlier. Uh, and so 41% of baby boomers uh, expect Social Security to be their primary source of retirement income. But uh, that's got to be surprising, right, Andy? I mean, it's that high because we try to educate people to say you can't live on Social Security alone. Well, I think what's unique about this area of Wisconsin is people are incredibly good savers. And I think most people, yes, I mean, Social Security is going to make up a large portion. They're going to get it. So why wouldn't they count on using that money? But the other aspect of that is that because you guys have been very good savers, um, what ends up happening is when you are forced to take your required minimum distribution out of your qualified plans, then you're kind of like, well, I don't need this money. What do I do with it? It's like, well, I'm sorry. You still have to take it because we made a deal with Uncle Sam a long time ago because they didn't have options like Ross for the most part. When you guys were being pushed to the 401ks and off pensions, um, Ross were still not an option. So Ross came about much later in most people's working lives if you're going into retirement. And so most people don't have tremendous money in Roth IRAs, which can be a really valuable tool, especially if you're planning on retiring earlier and need help paying for your premiums regarding health insurance um, to get you from when you retire to Medicare age, then there are different things that we have to look at and different things that we have to discuss. So it it's not... It's not a surprise that it is going to be a big portion of the retirement, but I do think that people here, at least for the most part, whom we talk to have done a really good job saving, and that poses tax challenges that we also have to deal with. Absolutely. So as we wrap this segment up, we've got a few other things going on. 83% of baby boomers say they plan to continue working 
financially related reasons. 11% though of both Gen Xers and baby boomers based on their estimate of uh, the amount given to them by a financial advisor, meaning at 90%, almost 90%, failed to speak with a professional before determining their retirement needs. That's kind of like what Andy was talking about before. Maybe they came in and they told you they want to retire at 55, but that may not be plausible. So I just want to know from both of you very quickly, does that surprise you? And uh, what can people do uh, about that? doesn't totally surprise me. I mean, I think we get used to 401ks not really having advice given from those individuals that work with people in work through their 401ks. Um, But yeah, I'm not totally surprised. Luke, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not surprised because most people are used to, as, as you're mentioning, Andy, that, you know, you don't have an advisor, you don't have somebody helping you, you have to do this on your own. But that's simply not true. I mean, if, if the things that we we talk about on the radio have struck a chord with you um, and you want to know, are you on the right path? Give us a call. Um, over the years, we have been serving this community and we found out that a lot of folks don't have a true understanding of three things. They don't know how much they're paying in fees. They don't know how much unnecessary risk that they're taking, and they don't understand the tax implications of their retirement savings. So if you connect with us, we can sit down. We can just have a simple conversation, no cost, no obligation, and we can answer your questions in the comfort of our office. um, And you can lean on our 20 plus years of experience to help see you to and through retirement if we determine that we are a good fit for you. And Chuck, would you tell folks how they can connect with us? Absolutely, Luke. And it's uh, 866-203-7486. It's very simple. It's a toll-free number, 866-203-7486. And uh, uh, Sam, Andy, or Luke will be happy to give you that retirement lifestyle review that Luke alluded to. That means sitting down, figuring out whether you're a fit for them and they are a fit for you and what your retirement plans are. Are they feasible? How can they help? Because they're fiduciaries. It's all about you. They want to help you. You come first in their book, whether it's at the Green Bay office or the Appleton office. Uh, you'll get that retirement lifestyle review, as Luke said, totally free, uh, complimentary. Uh, so uh, once again, 866-203-7486 is the number to call. Fast moving show, but we've got one more segment. We do. Up next, we've got questions from listeners and that and more right after this. And we are back here on Your Retirement. I'm Chuck Caton sitting in with uh, Andy Schooler and Luke Van Ubble this week as Sam is away. And uh, again, that number, in case you missed it before the break, is 866-203-7486. And now it's question and answer time uh, here on Your Retirement. And we're going to start with Martha in Darboy. And Luke, uh, she's got a question. Uh, Very simply, how do I determine how much to withhold on my monthly Social Security uh, income. This will be the first year that I receive benefits, and they're going to be starting in a well, about a month or so, starting in September. Hi, Martha. Great question. Many people aren't even aware that Social Security is taxable, so great that this is on your radar as taxable income. What you ultimately need to do is, is take your Social Security income If you have a spouse, add in their Social Security income and then any other income that you'll have coming in, whether that's from work, whether that's from your investments, pension, you name it. And um, Social Security can be taxed one of three ways. So either none of your Social Security is taxable 
half of that payment coming into you as taxable or 85% of it. So not not an 85 or 50% tax rate, but just that portion. Um, and then there is a there's a formula for determining this. It's called the provisional income formula. This is something that we talk about um, in our office. So if you've got concerns about this, I know this is going to sound convoluted and complex. We can help walk you through this. Um, but there's a formula for determining what bracket you're going to fall into. And those brackets are pretty small. Um, since Social Security started, these brackets have never been adjusted for inflation. So uh, like a married couple, if you've got thirty-two dollars to $44,000 a year in this provisional income formula, then 50% is taxable and above $44,000, 85% is taxable. So your Social Security is going to be taxed. You've got to factor in all of your other income and then put that into your tax bracket to determine how much you're going to need for federal taxes. But keep in mind here in the state of Wisconsin, no state taxes on your Social Security. All right, then that is very, very important to, to know. And that's why you should be giving uh, uh, dual financial strategies a call, because a lot of people are confused about uh, the ramifications of taking Social Security, not only the amounts, the taxable uh, ramifications, as uh, Martha just asked, or uh, just the fact of when to take it. That is a key as well. All right, let's go to Frank in Green Bay now. And uh, Andy, he wants to know, he says, I've got money in certificates of deposit, CDs, and I'm charged fees for withdrawing from these accounts. But I want my money to be able to grow in an account, but I also want to be able to withdraw from it without any fees if uh, necessary or if possible. So what kind of other accounts can I invest my money in? Hi, Frank. Great questions. Um, some things that to consider. If you are actively pulling money out of these accounts, then I would set up a couple of different buckets instead of using one account to kind of do everything. Because if obviously, if you're able to pull money out without some sort of penalty or fee, then they're going to pay you less interest on that. So if you are trying to find the highest interest rate, then I would ferret some of the money into a now bucket or a you know short term, if you're looking at a quarterly or a semi-annual basis of what you need and and put that money into something that's shorter term, maybe even a you know put three months worth of your expenses or whatever you're drawing out into your checking account and or savings account. No, you're not going to make as much interest, but then you take the other money that you have and you might build yourself sort of a, a ladder system or a bucket system. So you've got maybe CDs or fixed annuities or something that's pouring off, um, check into, you know, the banks are offering lots of different accounts between money markets and CDs with different durations and time. And so you might be able to find something where you could create sort of a stack system and create that interest plus the ability to have short-term money as needed. So I, I would look into that. I mean, yes, you're probably gonna have to make a lot of phone calls, but you can start online. Oftentimes, banks will list their rates online. Um, if you're looking for a little bit longer duration, we can talk about fixed annuities and some of the options that are available to you through that. Um, that's going to defer any taxation with annuities as opposed to unless it's an IRA at a bank, you're going to get a 1099 at the end of every year and have to pay taxes on that money. So it depends on what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but we can certainly sit down and go through that if you have additional questions. I like a lot of online banks too. They give you a pretty good rate and and uh, you're, you know, the money's liquid. You don't have to tie it up for any uh, period of time as well. 
So, all right, Maria's in De Pere, and Luke, she wants to know, is a 65-year-old with about a million five from divorce proceedings, what concepts can I use to guide the allocation of my assets in my portfolio? That's quite a, uh, a divorce settlement there. It is quite the settlement. Hi, Marie. Um, great question. I guess there's there's so much here that I don't know, so it's going to be hard for me to give you, you know, specific answers as to the allocation. Um, again, that's what the comfort of our office is for. Um, but I, I I will give you this. Um, you know the the purpose. What's the purpose of the money? And that's something that we would talk about in in our office. Are you needing income now? You know, are you retired? Where you know you need this million and a half to produce you some income so that you can live off of it, or are you still working? Um, and you know, typically we start our process when we're having discussions about assets and positioning those assets well and also from a tax perspective because what i also don't know is you know sort of where are these assets I mean, they did they come from a, an ira um, is it a mixed bag of different types of accounts um, so that's really important because that's going to determine sort of how much in taxes you're going to have to pay over time but then we also um, want to have a discussion around what's your appetite for risk with this money um, and maybe, you know, we, maybe there's a bucket approach that needs to happen where a certain portion needs to be for income. Maybe you do or don't need all of these funds. You know, there's just so many different situations. So we'd like to start with that risk questionnaire and as an independent firm, um, in dual financial strategies, this means that when it comes time and we determine the risk, we determine the goals, we determine your income needs, um, we're independent, so that just means that we have access to all sorts of different tools, and we've got no allegiance to who we work with. So um, I hope that gives you peace of mind. That's very unique. Most advisors don't operate that way. They've got you know someone sort of telling them what they can and cannot use. Um, suitability versus fiduciary. Yep, it's it's basically that suitability versus fiduciary discussion and. We operate as a fiduciary, but with independence. So that allows us to really be a true uh, fiduciary and independent advisory firm. And, um, yeah, that, and that's uh, very, very beneficial for you, the listener. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Ken and Nina now. Uh, I'm inheriting approximately $47,000 from the sale of my deceased mother's home. So should I invest all of it or half of it and use the other half to pay off the balance of my mortgage, which is approximately $25,000, and I've got a 4.5% interest rate. Well, that's a great question, Ken. Um, I'm sorry for the loss of your mom, but I also would come back and say, if you're paying 4.5% interest on your mortgage at 25000 is there a possibility of finding an account that's paying you more? So if you take 47,000 and you go to the bank for instance and you say okay I want to you know CD or whatever and they're paying you I don't know call it 5%. Um then you're actually making money to use all of your money to pay uh the interest if you will on that loan. So I would I would consider looking at some different tools before I just take 25,000 of that and stick it onto your mortgage and pay that off. And and I know emotionally it probably feels better to do that. But yet if you can essentially arbitrage that money and leverage it to your side, then you have $47,000 that's earning you interest and if you, as long as you can keep um 
taking care of that mortgage debt, then you're going to keep that money, that extra money in your pocket. So I would I would lean more that direction of keeping the money working for you uh, because you're going to make more on that money if you're getting, especially because you can find higher interest rates right now. So I would I would probably lean that direction. But emotionally, I know it can be challenging because you're like, ah, it's just itching a hole in my pocket. I really want to pay that off. I don't really want to owe anybody. I can appreciate that also. So I can make an argument either way, but <laughs> but if you can keep that money working for you, I probably would. All righty, and the final question, Luke, is from Leah in Kakana, who is 71 and on Medicare. She says, I don't have a health savings account. Uh, my uh, husband is 63 and not on Medicare, and uh, he's got an HSA, and he contributes 3300 a year uh, because tributes 6650 for the family. Can I draw upon it uh, for my medical expenses? Yes, so there is an IRS ruling um, for you, Leah, that will allow for um, your spouse, you know, a spouse can use the HSA money for themselves, for the other spouse, and any dependent claimed on the tax return um, as well. Uh, where we have to be careful is as we age, as we become enrolled in Medicare, um, sometimes we can no longer then contribute for that person to an HSA plan. So if you're eligible for Medicare, but you're not enrolled, then, you know, you can still make that family contribution. Once you're, you know, on Medicare, then as far as making new contributions for that person on a health savings account, um, not going to be recommended. Uh, But certainly any money that's in that account can be used for husband, wife, whoever would be sort of on that tax return. All right, uh, you've answered the questions uh, very succinctly and very well. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, with uh, Andy Schooler, Luke Van Abel, this week on this edition of Your Retirement, we want to remind you that they will provide you with a retirement lifestyle review at no cost, no obligation, uh, at either their Green Bay office, their Appleton office. So all you have to do is make that phone call to get the appointment at 866-203-7486. That's 866-203-7486. Remember that, uh, as they mentioned before, they're independent. They'll find the right investments for you uh, to sit down and discuss what you want in retirement, what is it going to cost you? Uh, what kind of a lifestyle do you want after you quit working? Because it is all about your retirement. Once again, no cost, no obligation, retirement lifestyle review uh, from Sam, Andy, or Luke at Dual Financial Strategies with their over 20 years of experience in this field. It's 866-203-7486. 866-203-7486. Don't procrastinate. All right, final comments. Thanks for listening, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time, same place. Have a great weekend. Investment advisory services offered through Dual Financial Strategies, LLC, a Wisconsin registered investment advisor. Dual Financial Strategies does not provide legal or tax advice. Investment advisor representatives of Dual Financial Strategies may only conduct business with residents of the states and jurisdictions in which they are properly registered. Insurance and annuity products are sold through Dual Financial Strategies.